Hello, friends. This is Pastor Pierce Eaton, and you're listening to First and Foremost, a podcast where we give you teaching and tools to make Jesus Christ first and foremost in your life. Yes, we we did do it a little differently today. So um, we didn't do quite as many songs, and it's not because I'm going to preach for an extremely long time. Okay, so prepare yourselves. Um, no, it is... Uh, no, it's because uh, today our sermon is on worship. And my thought was, I would love for us to have a longer time of response in worship following this sermon. And so we're, we save some songs for after the sermon. But as you know, we are still working through our spiritual rhythms and disciplines uh, series and the focal verse for this series has been 1 Timothy 4, 9, where Paul writes to Timothy and says, train yourself for godliness. And one of the things that we learned over the course of this uh, series is that God uses several different mechanisms in our life to train us up for the purpose of godliness, to sanctify us is the term. And uh, one of those that he uses is the spiritual rhythms and disciplines prescribed in Scripture that we can see God uses them by the power of his Holy Spirit to work in us and to shape us and mold us and make us more and more into the image of Christ, transforming us from the inside out. And today, like I said, we are looking at worship and uh, in thinking about which, the Bible talks a lot about worship. And um, in thinking about which passage I wanted us to, to use as our primary passage of focus for today's sermon, I, I thought there was probably no better verse in all of the Bible than to look at the end in Revelation. So we're going to look at Revelation chapter 4, verse 11. And the reason why I chose this is because we get a glimpse of heaven. We get a glimpse of God enthroned and him being surrounded by his people, and they're praising and worshiping him. So please stand out of reverence for the reading of God's word. We're going to look at Revelation 4, verse 11. If you don't have your Bible, there are words on the screen. You can follow along with me, um, but I'm going to read it out loud. It says, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things. And by your will, they existed and were created. Just read it one more time. Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will, they existed and were created. Let's pray. Father, we just ask right now as we have read your word, as we've sang songs to you as we gave, as we pray right now, Lord. Um, as we s- seek to learn more about what worship really is. Father, I just ask that you speak to us. You make your word come alive to us and in us. And that we leave here as people who are marked by worship of you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please take a seat. I've got three points for you this morning. And the first one is that we were made to worship. We were made to worship. 
So to state this in another way, God has made you for his glory. Uh, He's made you to glorify him. So you were made to worship and glorify him. You were saved, if you're in Christ, you were saved to worship and glorify him. And you are sanctified, made holy for his glory. Everything about your existence is for this. I want you to look at Isaiah 43, 7. You might not be able to flip there fast enough. I've got three different verses so you can follow along on the screen. Isaiah 43, 7 says, everyone who is called by my name, this is God speaking, everyone who is called by my name, who I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. So we can see here, and there are many other verses that state this, that God made us for his glory. 1 Peter 2, 9 says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So we can see that God saves us. If you've placed your faith in Jesus, and God has saved you so that, uh, or for his glory and for ultimately the proclamation of his excellencies. And then look with me at Psalm 23. You're familiar with Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lay down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Verse 3 says, he restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for what? His name's sake. Maybe you haven't noticed that part of Psalm 23. That that God leads us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So we were made to worship him, we were saved to worship him, and we are sanctified to worship him. It's all about him. It's all for his glory. There's no getting around it. Your life is about worship. It is the end to which you are made and the reason for your continued existence. That's why you are here. It's why anyone exists, is to glorify God. And here's the thing. You are really, really, really good at worshiping. You're very good at it. You are. Because human beings, by nature, are worshipers. There's no getting around what we are. We are worshipers. The question is, are we worshiping the only one who deserves it? The human heart is a worship factory. No matter how hard we try, no matter whether we believe in God or don't believe in God, are religious or not religious, no matter what we think about anything, we are worshipers. We can't get around it. Romans chapter 1 states this very clearly, and I love the way that Paul states it. We don't have the ability to read it all this morning, but if you, after this, that's maybe an assignment for you. Go back and read Romans chapter 1. In it, he says that everyone, every human that has ever existed has either worshipped the one triune God of the universe, the real and genuine creator of all things, or we have worshipped false idols. That's the only way that we live. We either worship God or we invent idols to worship, every one of us. And this is because worship ultimately is an overflow of our heart in treasuring something above all else and seeking our satisfaction in that thing. 
That's what worship is. And so as our passage states, Revelation 4.11, it is to ascribe glory and honor and power to something. And so you might not worship the one true God, but you worship and you're good at it. You either worship the one true God or you worship idols, whether that's a statue of some false God or whether it's a functional God. What I mean by functional God is that you may not look to that thing, create some kind of statue and worship and bow down to that, but it functions as God in your life. And maybe that's entertainment for you, that your whole life is oriented around just being entertained a little bit more. Maybe it's control. You're constantly grasping for a little bit more because if you just had control, control is the thing that you need. That's your God. You just want to be satisfied by a little bit more control. Maybe it's pleasure. Maybe it's status. Maybe it's power. I promise you, if you don't seek after and worship the one true God, you're seeking after and worshiping something else. Maybe it's you. Goodness, we live in a society where the greatest authority is me. I am God is what a lot of people say. They may not say it with their mouth, but they certainly say it with their life. And so, we all are great at worshiping. But the question is, are we worshiping the only one who is worthy of our worship? Because there's only one creator. There's only one who is good. There's only one who gives you your next breath. There's only one who has saved you. When your heart was turned against him, when you're a rebel against his good causes, while you are still a sinner, Christ died for you. It's only one who gives you grace. There's only one who sustains you. It's, it's all him. And he's the only one who is worthy of praise, which is why it's good for him to demand it. Because any praise and worship given to anything else, it falls short. There's no other God other than the triune God of the universe, and he's the only one who is worthy of our worship. So how do we worship? What does worship look like? Is it the music we sing? Is it this gathering, is it a worship gathering? Is it a condition of our heart? What is worship? Point two this morning is that worship is a spiritual meta-discipline. You're like, what on earth does meta mean as a prefix? Um, <laughs> so uh, this is an overarching, like, overarching discipline. So just to kind of give you a, another way to think about the word meta, I, we can have meta communication. Meta communication is communicating about our communication. Some of you need to do that with your spouse. Um, yeah, but you know, so that's what meta-communication is. So you kind of see there's this idea of meta, a meta-spiritual discipline is, or spiritual meta-discipline is what worship is because uh, the other spiritual disciplines are a form of worship. 
So uh, Bible intake, reading your Bible, memorizing scripture, uh, prayer is a, a form of worship. Stewardship of the things that God has given you, that's a form of worship. And so, though, so worship is this broad thing, and there is narrow application of it, but it's a broad thing. And so I'll, I'll have two verses I want to highlight this idea for you. So Romans chapter 12, verse 1, states this, I appeal to you, brothers, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So here, in this verse in Romans 12, 1, Paul is telling us that our act of worship is presenting our, our body, our obedience, the entirety of our lives to God as an act of worship. That it's all-encompassing. That our whole life and everything we are is presented and given to God as an act of worship. He states this maybe in another way, kind of a different way, in 1 Corinthians 10.31. He says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. So we can see here that many things can be an act of worship. But what makes an act worshipful is its motivation. Because you, you can certainly eat food and drink drink without it being worship, right? Yes, of course. Just like you can gather here and sing songs that, that the words praise God, but it's actually not worship. Because what makes it worship is its underlying motivation. There's an inner essence of worship and an outward expression of worship. And so uh, John Piper, who's a, a brilliant theologian, has a definition of worship, I think, that is helpful here. And I think we have it on the screen. He says this, the inner essence of worship is to know God truly and then respond from the heart to that knowledge by valuing God treasuring God, prizing God, enjoying God, and being satisfied with God above all earthly things. And then that deep, restful, joyful satisfaction in God overflows in demonstrable acts. And those acts are acts of praise, adoration, thanksgiving, obedience, and love. So to summarize his long definition... Worship is an inner motivation, or there's an inner motivation to worship that stems from our enjoyment and satisfaction in God. And then it shows up in our lives in those acts of praise, adoration, thanksgiving, obedience, and love toward God. So worship is more than the music we sing on Sundays. Now, don't get me wrong. Worship can be that as well. But worship is more than just that. Worship can encompass almost every aspect of our lives because it's fueled by an inner motivation to glorify God through that act. So scripture does prescribe to us several different acts of worship that we are commanded to do toward God. And so uh, there are corporate acts of worship. There are personal acts of worship. Corporate acts of worship are essentially all the things that we do here. 
So that's um, reading and exegeting God's word. That's giving our tithes and offerings. That's singing songs. Guys, God loves, the reason, big part of the reason why we sing songs on a Sunday is because we're commanded to do so in scripture. But God loves when his people gather and sing his praises. If you just read the Psalms for very long, you start to quickly see that it is commanded over and over and over for us to lift our voices and sing our praises to God. That's because God is a singing God. In Zechariah, there's a a statement that God makes to his people and he says that he sings over us. Goodness, God, God loves music. That's part of the reason why it resonates so deeply in the heart of every one of us. Have you ever met someone who's like, yeah, I just don't like music? No, you haven't. And if they said that, they're lying. Because there's something in us as humans, we love music. And so God commands us to take that before him and to praise him through that. But there's other acts uh, that we do as well here. Prayer is another act of worship that we do gathering together as God's people. There are several corporate expressions of worship that we're commanded to do, but there's also personal acts of worship. The personal acts are the spiritual disciplines. All of them are acts of worship. So that's scripture, intake, prayer, stewardship, meditation on scripture, um, silence and solitude, slowing our lives. All of these can be acts of worship, but There are other things that aren't necessarily spiritual disciplines that can be acts of worship too. I mean, Paul says whether we eat or drink or whatever we do, that can be an act of worship. Did you know that your work can be an act of worship? I know some people in here need to be convicted about this. Colossians 3, 23 and 24 encourages us to glorify God through our work and work as unto the Lord. So, the, how, the way that you're honest in your work, the way that you work diligently, the, the way that you operate in your work can be worship unto God. The, the way that you interact with your coworkers, the way you seek to, to be a gospel light in your workplace, all of that can be an act of worship unto God. But all of these acts, all of them are ultimately fueled by a motivation to glorify God. If the motivation through that act is not to glorify God, then it's not actually worship. It's something else. Point three this morning is that worship completes our enjoyment of God. Worship completes our enjoyment of God. This is one of my favorite ideas to talk about. Okay, so to kind of highlight and illustrate this, I want you to think about the last time you went to the movie theater. We have some movie watchers in here, maybe like two of you. Oh, okay, a lot more than that. So you are human. Um, so, uh, no, we, we love stories. Part, part of the human you know, mind and heart, the way God made us is to be drawn to narrative, and so we love stories. And, and part of that is loving movies. Movies are great. And does, do, does anyone like going to the movies? Oh, some of you still do. That's cool. So uh, the, evidently the movie theater here is going to open soon, which is awesome. Um, yes, I know. So uh, anyways, when you go and see a movie in the movie theater, 
Let's say you go and see it with a group of people. You've been wanting to see this movie. You've seen the previews. It looks awesome. You go and see the movie, and the movie is awesome. One of the best movies you've ever seen. And then you leave the theater, and what do you do? Just stay quiet. You don't talk to the people around you. You never tell anybody about the movie. No, of course not. You can't help yourself but begin to talk to the people you're with. Man, that scene was awesome. Or that was just, that movie blew my mind. And you just start talking to people about it. You begin praising it to people around you. Same thing, let's, let's do a thought experiment. Let's say today, driving home in, in Texas City or Lamarck or Dickinson or wherever direction is home for you. You're driving home and you come across, you, you drive by a building of a new restaurant that just opened. Today is their opening day. The parking lot's empty. And you think, you know what? I'm going to go in there and eat. And so you pull in and the second you walk in, you're like, wow, the ambiance of this place, this is my vibe. This is cool. I love this place. And you go in and you sit down and the service is incredible. I mean, goodness, the, the servers and everyone, it's just, they're so good at what they do. And you order your food and then they bring it to you and the food is quite literally the best food you've ever had in your life. And then they bring you the bill and you're thinking this is gonna cost a lot. And they bring you the bill and they're like, oh yeah, well, we don't charge very much because we want people to enjoy it. And you look at the bill and you're like, I would be willing to pay 10 times this for this food. How do they even get away with charging this little and then you left there, what would you do? You would tell everyone about it, right? Because there's, there's something in us that's innate. We cannot help but praise the things that we enjoy. In fact, I would argue, as C.S. Lewis does, we're going to read him in a second, that our enjoyment of something is actually not complete until it is expressed. I want you to look at this quote with me from C.S. Lewis. It's in his Reflections on the Psalms, which is a great book. He says, I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses but completes the enjoyment. It is its appointed consummation. It is not out of compliment that lovers keep on telling one another how beautiful they are. The delight is incomplete till it is ex expressed. The Scotch Catechism says that man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. But we shall then know that these are the same thing. Fully to enjoy is to glorify. In commanding us to glorify him, God is inviting us to enjoy him. Whew. In this statement, C.S. Lewis is pointing out one of the beautiful things about worship, and that is that worship of God and enjoyment and satisfaction in God feed one another. They do. They feed one another. We worship God out of joy and satisfaction in him, but when we worship God, our enjoyment and satisfaction in him grows. So God uses our worship of him to work in our lives and to shape us and mold us, to, to sanctify us and mold us into the image of Christ. And so when we worship God, we grow and mature. 
And when we worship God, we grow in satisfaction in God. And when we worship God, we grow in love for God. And then all of that fuels our desire all the more to express our satisfaction in God through worship. I hope this truth sinks deeply into your heart. If you struggle with worshiping God, I hope you realize that it is a joy to worship God. So why do we worship him? It's because it is both a means and an end. So worship is a means for God to shape us and mold us into the image of Christ. It's a means for God to grow us in satisfaction of him. So God uses it as a means to an end in our life, but ultimately we worship because it is an end in and of itself, because it's the end to which we were created, to glorify God, to worship him forever. So we worship God because he shapes us through our worship of him, but ultimately we worship him because he is worthy of it and he proves that he is worthy of it because as we worship him, we grow in satisfaction in him. And this is why I chose Revelation 4.11 as our passage. It says, worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they existed and were created. So this is the heart of worship. It's not about us. It's all about him because he's worthy of it. And yet so often we can take something that is meant to be worshipful toward God and we twist it into something that's not worshipful at all. Like we can, we can take worship something that's meant to be worshipful, and we twist it and we either make it about ourselves, goodness, we do this a lot, or we do the other thing, which is we, we show up and we just go through the motions. We do the act, but without a heart and a motivation of glorifying God. Apathetic. I think of Matthew 15, 8, Jesus was speaking to the Pharisees and the scribes, the church people, us. And he says this, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In vain do they worship me. So we can honor God with our lips, but it actually not be worship. This reminds me of a story of a church in the UK. Um, the pastor of the church began to notice a problem in his church. Um, the problem was that people would gather for worship, but there was a sense of, there was a kind of a critical mindset, criticism that was happening. People would either start, they started caring and voicing their opinions about the style of the music or whether it was too loud or, or not loud enough or they would begin to express their uh, liking or disliking for certain worship leaders. Like, oh, I, I really like it when he leads, but I, I don't like it when he leads. Or they would start to express the same thing with certain songs. Like, oh, well, that song, that song is a good song. This song, I don't even know why we do this song. 
And they, they started to, to do all of this. In fact, it got so bad that on weeks where a certain worship leader would lead the music, that the room was filled. But if people found out that a different worship leader was leading the music that day, a lot of them wouldn't come. And so the pastor was very bothered by this. And one week when the church was gathered, he went up on stage before they began singing and he said, uh, just so you know, we're not doing this today. We're not doing the amplified sound and we're not doing any music. I'll, I'll preach and you need to go home because you've lost the heart of worship. And then he said, and for the next few weeks, we're not gonna do any of this. I want you to come every week and we're not gonna sing any songs, we're not gonna do anything amplified, there's not gonna be a sound system or the lights or anything like that. I want you to come through these doors with your Bible in hand and before you enter the doors, I want you to ask, what am I going to bring to God in worship today? Because you have come as people ready to consume and not ready to give to God. We've lost it. And so that's what they started to do. The people would come, and the first week was really awkward. Uh, they came, and people just sat, and it was quiet. And eventually someone would go up and pray or share a verse, and after a while, it turned into this incredibly beautiful thing. A few weeks in, the church was prepared to come and present their offering of worship to God. And people would come up, and they'd say, this is what the Lord showed me in my quiet time this week. Or this is a song that I wrote this week in just my time with the Lord and I just want to share it with you. They were just were coming and they were, uh, they were offering to God worship, trying to get reset back into the heart of what worship really is. And, and in the midst of that, their worship pastor who fell into the same thing as the rest of the congregation, he started analyzing himself realizing that he, he had lost the, worship, the heart of worship too. That he had just been going through the motions, showing up every Sunday, leading the music, doing his thing, going home, and not being prepared to really, truly worship God in that moment. And so he spent some time thinking about this, praying about this, and then he wrote a song. And the song is, is about coming back to that heart of worship. His name is Matt Redman. And uh, the song became the anthem of the church. He eventually shared it with the church near the end of that time. And it became the anthem of the church and largely the anthem of the Western church for a period of time, about 20 years ago. And I want to read you part of the lyrics. He says this, when the music fades and all is stripped away and I simply come longing just to bring something that's of worth that will bless your heart. Well, God, I'll bring you more than a song, for a song in itself is not what you've required. You search much deeper within, and through the way that things appear, you're looking into my heart. So I'm coming back to the heart of worship because it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I pray as a church and you individually that we have not lost the heart of worship. He is worthy of our praise. He's worthy of our adoration. He's worthy of everything 
in our life. And as we bring it to him, as we give it to him, he works in us and he grows in us an enjoyment of him, a satisfaction in him, which leads all the more to worship. It's a beautiful feedback loop. And so we're going to respond this morning. We've got some time. We're going to respond with three songs of worship. We're going to have some people around the room, some Bible study leaders. If you need prayer, if you have something you want to bring to someone and ask for prayer on, they're going to be at the sides in the back of the room. You can go to them in prayer. But I want us to respond, and we're going to sing this song where we just respond in worship. Please stand with me. Let me pray for us. And we'll respond. Father, help us in this moment to be people who are not distracted by other things. Uh, Help us to be people who are not thinking about what we're going to eat in 20 minutes. Father, help us to not be someone who distracts the others around us, but Lord, help us come to you right now in a sense of awe and reverence because you are worthy of our worship. You've made us to glorify you. You have saved us. Thank God you have saved us to glorify and worship you. And Lord, you are working in us at this moment for your worship and for our good. Lord, we ask right now if we have strayed from the heart of genuine, authentic worship. Lord, we ask that you help us to come back to the heart of worship. That in this moment that we, we respond to you because you are worthy of our worship. And may this not be just a moment that we have during music as we lift our hands, as we sing, but that we exemplify a lifestyle of worship. As we leave here, as we go home, as we drive, as we go to work, as we interact with neighbors, in everything that we do, that our life be an act of worship. Help us to see how that's possible. Oh Lord, grow our satisfaction in you so that it overflows into worship today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.